Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Island Spot Sports. And before we get to our guest today, we have a big shout out for, for Living Sisu. Living Sisu is a platform and app that wants to give you all the tools to have success in your sport. Their main objective is to activate your lifestyle. So for active, it's for active people. Enjoy discounts at, at companies like BioSteel, 30% off, BodyLogics, the Goalie Guild, all his books are discounted. Roan, Lululemon for men, 20% off. Online stretching programs with Eccentrics, one full month free. They got super silent massage guns, 20% off those. And it's a great quality. It's way less expensive than a Theragun. And it's a great, it's great quality. So there's so many more discounts that you guys will need to just become a member to see. So they want to provide you with anything you need for success. So come join the community. I'm a part of it. A bunch of other athletes are a part of it. So it's free to join. It takes 20 seconds to have to get exclusive offers to your sport. And it's definitely worth worth it. So do do us a huge favor and go sign up for Living Sisu's membership. It's free, 20, takes 20 seconds. So go do it and we'll see you there. Living Sisu is a great company. We uh, we know one of the co-founders, Zach Fricali. He's a great guy. He uh, He's the co-founder. He does a lot of live streams on Instagram at, uh, at Living Sisu. And with a bunch of elite athletes and you learn a lot from like the athletes determination the resiliency everything to what me made them become successful so it's been a great experience so far so go on i'm gonna leave uh the link in the description so uh go sign up yo welcome back to another episode of on the spot sports i'm jack and i'm alongside my co-host tyler and in today's episode, we are joined by a very special guest, current professional goaltender Peter the Mad Dog DeSalvo. Peter is currently playing with the Knoxville Ice Bears of the SPHL. Peter played juniors in the Ontario Hockey League for the Sarnia Sting, Barry Colts, and the Oshawa Generals before playing two years of college hockey in the CIS for Acadia University before going pro and spending time in leagues such as the ECHL, the SPHL, and the AIHL. So the Mad Dog has been known for being called the Henrik Lundqvist of the SPHL and is coming up on taking the all-time win record of the SP- SPHL with 104 wins. That's the record. He has 101 right now. So welcome to the show, the Mad Dog, Peter DeSalvo. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problems. So like, how have you been? Like, you're coming in with uh, with 101 wins right now, and you're g- getting to – you want to get to 104 to be the the top – top guy guy in history of the SPHL. So like, how's everything going? Everything's been going good. You know, I'm only the second goalie to get a hundred wins in the league. So that's pretty surreal too. And, uh, you know, coming when I first started pro hockey, that record was never even on my mind. I didn't even know what it was until like last year when I knew I was catching up on it. So <clears throat> with everything, you know, I'm just blessed and happy to be playing hockey, especially in this, this time of what's going on in the world. Right. Yeah, exactly. How does it feel to get the opportunity to be able to stick around in a league like that and be able to pile up all those wins? Uh, very fortunate. You know, I bounced around quite a bit, um, especially my fifth year. I ended up playing for three different teams that year. But, you know, I just uh, kept bowing through whatever I was going through and just uh, made made wherever I was work. And I uh, just try to – I always try to get better every single day. I'm never really content with work. With where where I'm at, 
So I'm always trying to get to that next step for myself and uh, just making sure I'm ready to go every day on the ice. Yeah, that's a great mindset to have, and especially as a goaltender, like you have to like make sure your body is like a hundred percent each and every day. So yeah, it's good that you have that mindset and like you're doing whatever you can to help stay in the league and help and go for that win record. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, uh, like I know, I know I'm la- basically labeled as an SPHL goalie, and like there's nothing wrong with that, right? And I've had my stints in the S in the uh, ECHL. Uh, my first year pro, I actually started in the Central League when that was still a league with the Branton Beast. And, um, you know, just you never want to be content or happy with where you are. You, you should always want to try to get better, no matter what league you're in. If you know you're going to be stuck in a, in a league or wherever you are, you always want to get better. Even the NHL guys, they always want to get better every single day and outdo everybody else. Like, you can't tell me that every even though it won't happen you, you can't tell me every single guy in the league wants to be better than Connor mcdavid you know it's just even Connor mcdavid wants to outdo himself every single day how does it feel for you like jack said when he was introducing you how does it feel to be compared to a guy like henrik lundquist like he said it, you're the henrik lundquist of the sphl like how does it feel to be compared to a guy like him who has a, a really historic resume yeah and that made me chuckle the first time i i heard that but like it hit, a, it hit a good nerve. It's like, feels good to be called that, you know, and I respect the hell out of Lundqvist. He's a, he's been a phenomenal goal. He's been in the NHL forever and seeing him back on the ice a couple of days ago in his Washington gear is like, okay, here we go. We're going to see the King again. Hopefully, hopefully we can see him this season and possibly next season one more time. And, um, you know, just, he's just a guy that battles and like, that's somebody I could follow with that. Just keep, just keep bowing through everything. And, and I'd like to see him win a cup. If he wins it with Washington, that'd be unreal. You know, you never really know who's going to win the Stanley Cup at the end of the day. You never know. And just in the hockey world in general, you never know what's going to happen. Just uh, you got to look at the right guys to model yourself after. Yeah, that's unreal. And just I like how, like, you have, you, like, have to get guys to model after. And, like, going, like, Henrik, with, like, Henrik Lundqvist, like, he's a great example of that, like, he's maybe one of the – he's probably he's probably the best goaltender that hasn't won a Stanley Cup in in history of the nhl so far and just it's it's like he's doing everything he can to do that and like help his team win he's getting better every day he's coming back from his heart surgery and hopefully get to see him this season or next next season again and just it's amazing what that dude goes through and like how much of a grinder he is and that he's pushing himself every single day even throughout this tough time yeah definitely and uh you know it, it's heartbreaking seeing some guys never winning a cup. Like another, like one of the other great goalies that never got the one a cup was Curtis Joseph, and like he tried to keep going. Like you saw the end of his career when he ended up in um, Arizona when they were still the Phoenix Coyotes and Calgary and back with Toronto. And you saw he was battling through, but he just didn't have it in him anymore. Like he wasn't playing at the same compete level he did when he was first with Toronto and his first little bit of with Detroit and all that. So hopefully Longfist can uh, keep it going. You know, it's been tough the last couple of years in New York form, especially with the team in that rebuilding phase. Now doesn't have like the same lineup in front of him to help him, but you know, he's still making big saves every single night. So hopefully something can come out of the form. Yeah, for sure. And just what, what do you, what do you look at him? Like what, what do you see when you look at him and like what you want to implement into your game? Longfist, the best thing I, that he does is his depth, 
there's depth control in the net. I know he doesn't challenge a lot, but a lot of plays where he's playing deep, it's actually really smart because it's transitioning from one side of the ice to the other is actually a lot easier to get across. That's probably the, the one thing. And his mental game is pretty strong too. You know, he's very loose. He's very relaxed. He's a great team leader in the locker room as well. And, you know, you always want to model yourself, model yourself after somebody like that. Yeah, absolutely. And just, like the mindset's a big part of being a success, successful goaltender because you uh you have to be strong day in and day out. Like you can't let the little things get to you. And like just like his depth control as well. Like he's doing it efficiently. Like some people might not agree, but it's the right like right play for him. And you can get easily across and make make a big save if he has to. Like it all depends on like the the goaltender and like. How, how 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 successful he is throughout like what he's doing yeah exactly and his compete is his competes there you know like it might not look as as uh as much as some other guys like you look at guys like flurry and Bobrovsky and how aggressive they are and you're like oh look at their compete well some guys just aren't as athletic like that but their compete is still there they just play a different completely different way you know and it's still they're still aggressive and they're still competing as hard as they can. It's just in a, they just everybody's everybody's body is different. Not everybody can move the exact same way. Yeah, exactly. So I want to go into your season a little bit since you're playing playing games right now. So like, how's the season going for you? And like, what? How weird is it playing like throughout like everything we're playing right now? And just just being thankful to, to be at the rink and actually playing a game. Yeah, as far as, like, the way the season is, like, um, the main things that are different that the rinks aren't at full capacity. So in Knoxville, we have the we have the smallest rink in terms of fans, I'm pretty sure. Definitely in, ice, in the ice size, yeah. But fans, I'm pretty sure we hold the least amount. And I think each rink can only go by percentage. So we can have 1,500 fans and a, a night and I'm pretty sure we get that just about every single night. So technically we have a sold out barn every single night, which is awesome. Um, there's no interaction with fans. So we're not involved in the community at all this year. Um, but in terms of like for the rank and all that kind of stuff, the only thing that's different is that we get tested every single week for COVID. So that stuff happens. And then if there is, I'm not getting into details, but like if something bad was to happen, like basically like the only thing I, I could say is that guys just can't play. It's just protocol. Like you've seen it happen in the NHL too. Right. But yeah. um, we've been pretty fortunate here to not have really any cases. Like I think something happened before I got here because I wasn't in Knoxville at the beginning of the year, but we've, we've gone past that. So. Yeah. So you, you were supposed to be in Danbury in the, in the federal, right? Yeah, I signed there because uh, all the SP teams had their guys ready to go for the year. And um, and then I got word that Knoxville needed two new goalies, actually. And I called. And um, within my call, I went and got a COVID test, came back negative, And I was there six hours later. I was, well, here six hours later. <laughs> how, how crazy is that? Like, you were in Dan – you're probably in Danbury, I'm guessing, right, before that? No. I was actually in Fayetteville, North Carolina, at my uh, with my wife at my in-laws' place. She's from Fayetteville. Where I met her there when I played for the Marksman a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, it's like how how crazy was it to go from Fayetteville to to Knoxville and be there in like six hours? Kind of kind of used to this type of stuff by now, you know. Like uh, the year I played in Fayetteville, I started there, got traded to Peoria, got cut from Peoria, went to Macon, and then at the end of the year Macon, I went back home to Canada and flew to Australia. So I did th- like four fifteen hour drives throughout the year, and then did had to do twenty six hours worth of flights. Not not a big deal to you. Just just a normal normal uh, normal travel day for you. Yeah, yeah. So like, do do all rings have fans in the standing in the stands or? Do, yeah, do some all not rings, have... all rings do. Just every rink is different. Just depends on the state and the capacity of the uh, and the capacity of the uh, rink. Yeah, um, that's at least good. Yeah, you don't. Like, ha- yeah. I Are think. You used to... I... Oh, go ahead. Pardon? Sorry. Oh yeah, um, the one rink that can hold the most right now, I'm pretty sure, is Pensacola because Florida doesn't have any restrictions with anything. They're just going by elite protocol. Are you used to the kind of like limited fans, or are you still kind of like getting used to it? Because I mean, obviously, you guys, the fans like to pack in, right? So, are you kind of used to the whole limited fan situation? Uh, it depends on uh, what rink we're in. I don't want to say what rink because I don't want those fans to hate me even more. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's respectable. So, uh, then, uh, so I want to start off going into like your career a little bit here. And like, first, first I want, like, I'm sure everyone wants to know this, but why is your nickname the mad dog? I got asked this the last podcast I did, <laughs> uh, when I was playing base, I was playing baseball with, well, T-ball actually when I was like five years old, four years old, something like that. And um, the team was called the Mad Dogs. And after wins, our coach would get us in a huddle, have us start cheering, start barking like dogs. And I would keep doing it in the car after games in, in front of my parents. So they would kind of call me that every now and then, like if, if, especially if I was going back home. And then um, on my first goalie mask, they then just ended up putting it on my mask. Uh, my mask was I was playing for my hometown, the Oakville Rangers, so we looked like New York. So they got my mask painted like Mike Richter's, just instead of the Statue of Liberty on top, they put a bulldog and put Mad Dog across the back. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Just, just that nickname stuck. So it just – that's unreal. And, like, who wouldn't want to have the nickname the Mad Dog? Like, it, that just – that's awesome. It was – it's funny. It was actually um, – it was just Mad Dog at first. And then when I got to college – one of the guys on my team said, no, you're not Mad Dog. You're the Mad Dog. You're the only one. So that's where the Mad Dog got added into. That, that's awesome. Just I, – I can't explain it. Like, that's, that's a sick nickname. That's probably one of the sickest nicknames I've heard. So that's awesome that you're repping that. Thanks, man. Yeah, so uh, you grew up in Oakville, Ontario. So, like, what was youth hockey like and some of the teams you played for during that time and – be playing hockey and playing hockey in Oakville? Uh, I only played in Oakville my first uh, three years of rep hockey. My first year of hockey was just house league. There was no like rep yet. So, and at that time too, uh, kids weren't allowed to be goalie full time. Everybody had to be a player and every kid had to take turns being goalie. But I uh, got my dad to have them let me be goalie first. Cause like I, w- I wanted to be a goalie, but my dad's like, let's see if you actually like it first. And I did. And then the next year I went straight up to AAA hockey and stayed all the way there until my OHL career. So then, so I did three years with the Oakville Rangers. Then I left the OMHA league and went to 
to the uh, GTHL, the Greater Toronto Hockey League. Went to the Mississauga Senators for two years. And my first year at Oakville, my first year in Mississauga, I actually played with John Tavares both years. And then after the Senators, I went to the, uh, to the Vaughn Kings, then the Mississauga Rebels for a year. And then I went to Don Mills Flyers my last two years of minor hockey. And that's where I got drafted into the OHL from. Yeah. So like, what was it like playing with John Tavares and just, was he, was he as good when you guys were younger than he, that he is now? And like, was he oh, one yeah. of the top dogs in that, in those leagues? Oh yeah. He, um, 36, the, I don't remember the first year we were seven years old. I just, I only remember this. It was easy stat to remember My, when we were, um, 10 year olds playing with the senators. Uh, he had 50 goals in 36 games. Wow, that's 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 crazy. He scored, he scored in every single regular season game. Dang, that that's crazy. But yeah, that's just you, cool did you know that he was going to the show right from there? We all we all knew, and um, like he he lived and breathed hockey. Like we were we were actually really close uh, when we were kids. Like if he saw me today, he would still he'd give me the time of day, hundred percent. He's just that genuine of a person. I'll never. I don't think there's anything negative to say about the guy, you know, and, um, but growing up, like we were really close. Like we were always driving. Our parents were always taking turns driving us to practices and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we used to train at the same gym together too. And do the same um, on and off ice training as well. But as we got older, like we knew he was going to, he was going to make it to the NHL, especially like, um, so like the first year I played with him, he was playing, we were the same age. And then the next year he went uh, to play with the kids a year older, the 1989s. And he did that up until I came to the Senators where he was. He came down a year because he knew a bunch of us from Oakville coming to the team. So he wanted to play with us. And the following year he went back up to the 89s. And even then with the 89s, he was getting called up to play with the 88s. And he was scoring goals against guys two years older than him. Wow, that's, that's crazy. But it just tells you the type of guy he is, especially since – you guys, you grew close to him. Like he's like a nice guy, and like you knew from the start that he's going to be an NHL star. Yeah, I got you know I'm not a Leafs fan, but I got all the respect for him. I I wish him if the Leafs win the Stanley Cup this year, I'd only be happy because he's on the team because he's like one one guy that really deserves it. Yeah, for sure. What's it like establishing that kind of friendship with him since you guys were very young and, and maintaining that friendship throughout childhood? Obviously, playing hockey together, growing up, and then what does it mean to you to, to share these memories of like achieving your highest dreams at the highest level? No, it's definitely, it's definitely something I'll always remember and like something I'll cherish. Right. Like I know that sounds cliche, but it's true, especially because he like, he's never done anything bad to make me want, not want to like him or that guy. I, we're not friends now because we've just gone like this. We've grown apart. Yeah. I don't see, every day i don't talk to him or anything like that but like if i was to see him he would know who i am and i would know I, obviously i know who he is and all that right so but um yeah i know he's just the type of guy if he knows who you are he's going to give you the time of day he'll chat with you like even when i wasn't see when i was only seeing him at rinks and my dad would know he was going to be there he'd give my dad a good 15 minute conversation outside in the parking lot just because we've known him forever so it, it comes a long way yeah, that's awesome. Just that that he does that, and like it proves that he's a good guy, and and all that. 
definitely. Yeah, so going on to your OHL career a little bit, like what was the junior hockey process like back then to get a shot in the OHL for the Sarnia Sting where you started off? So then there was, I'm pretty sure it's the same now in terms of like how the draft works in terms of numbers and all that, but you got 15 rounds. That year was the year Stamkos was drafted first overall, and I was with him in Sarnia. So he was, so obviously he's first overall. And then the second round came around. And um, so the first round draft picks, you can't trade first round draft picks in the OHL, like the actual pick itself. Like once a player is drafted and yeah, you can trade the player. Right. Yeah. But um, the only time a, um, a team can have like two picks in the first round is if like their first rounder doesn't commit to the team. And, um, like, he's not committing. He's not doing anything. He's not going to go anywhere with the team. So they get basically the following year in a draft, they'll get that same pick back along with wherever they finish. So, like, say a team finished, say, like, a team first overall pick said, no, I'm not going. I don't want to play there. The next year they'll have probably, I think it would be, like, the – I don't know if it would be the first overall pick, but it would be at least the second overall pick plus wherever they finished in the standings for the draft that year as well. So like, say like they finished in first that year, they would have the 21st overall pick as well. Yeah. That's, so, that's a very interesting way to do it. Yeah, it definitely is. But uh, so the second round, uh, Sarnia had two first, had the second round, Sarnia had two second round picks, the 21st overall and the 23rd overall. I was the 23rd overall pick. I was the first goalie drafted uh, that year. And then when it comes to, Teams choosing their roster. Um, I actually started in junior B that year with the Chatham Maroons. And I got called up in November um, after I actually just came back from an injury because the road, their goalie, Sebastian Dom, went to the road juniors for, for Denmark. And then when he came back, they traded him to Sudbury. So I ended up staying the rest of the year. Yeah. So, and like, then, what, what was it like getting uh, – you, you go ahead and you finish. Oh, well – so like that year with, uh, I didn't play that much that year because I was hurt at the beginning of the year. I didn't see much playing time. I think I only got like starts to Sarnia that year and I got put in, I think five times. So it was, um, got me a little bit of experience. And then the next year is when, um, I was really prepped for it and, uh, felt like I played well and I ended up getting traded the Barry where I spent the next three years before getting traded to Oshawa. Yeah, so like you said, you played like five games with Sarnia and you were with the Chatham Maroons before that. So like, what was that? What was the transition like going from youth hockey to playing juniors in the WOHL and then going into the OHL? Definitely a lot. It's different. It's weird. It's such a long time ago. It's hard to really remember. But like for me, I was always just in that mindset, like I can do this. Like there's no doubt in my mind. And then as a young kid though you know you're a little arrogant you're a little cocky especially me I was the first goalie drafted so that was kind of in my head a little bit I'm not gonna lie but at the end of the day I got past it and you, you learn things as you go along as you get older you mature you mature with time yeah so like what was like getting that shot in the OHL with Sarnia seeing like what was that first experience of being in the OHL like and really getting good look at some really good competition in the OHL well, you know, well, my first 
game, which is a preseason game, before I ended up going to Chatham, the opening draw was Stamkos versus Patrick Kane. <laughs> That's not a not a bad start. Oh my god! No. So all of us rookies too. So it was uh, at the time though. It's like a little surreal. The goalie was Steve Mason, who had just got drafted by Columbus. So going up against him was a little intimidating too. So, but uh, you know the the transitioning. It's Definitely the one, the, the main thing they is, uh, was the speed. And the other thing for me was uh, playing with a trapezoid behind me. That was my first time doing that. So, yeah. So like, what was that adjustment like? And just playing with a trapezoid, uh, being aware of when to go play the pucks. Like if you want to try to grab it before it crosses that line, like if a guy dumps it in or just making sure you're not mishandling it and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, it's not, it's not too bad, especially now when they made it. It's uh, two feet wider on each side now compared to what it used to be. So, yeah. Did you take any penalties during your when you were first learning the trapezoid? Yeah, I've take I've taken a couple, but they're like borderline. Like I'm waiting for the puck to just cross over, and it's like okay, I think I can get away with it, and I didn't. There was one where um, I I called the ref out on on this too because he knew he was wrong for this but i went and stopped the puck and then i pushed it behind the net through like two inches like the little corner i pushed it through there to go behind the net i didn't touch it though like i i pushed it my stick was off the ice the puck went through went behind it and i went back and touched it the ref called a penalty on me for it he says oh it's because you played it through the trapezoid and it's like i didn't touch it in the trapezoid the rule is if i touch it he goes, no, it's if you play it. Oh, so every time I bring the puck around, I should have a penalty. And he just shook his head and went away and skated away because he knew I was right. Wow, that, that's that's BS. That, that is. And just in that terms, like you should get a penalty every time you rim the puck, like you said, because it happens every time. But yeah, puck's in the trapezoid, right? Even if it's in the air. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> as stupid as that sounds, that's how that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So like throughout like your junior career, like what are some of the, like the biggest takeaways that you learned throughout those years to help you bring into like your college game? And then eventually when you went pro. Well, the best thing I, the best advice I ever learned is actually through my uh, goalie coach. Uh, who was my goalie coach in Barry? And he was my goalie coach in minor hockey growing up too. Uh, he's actually with the New York Islanders now. He's, the, he's their head goalie coach, Piero Greco. The best advice he ever gave me, and it was when I was in Barry, was do not worry about what the other guys in front of you are doing. Control only what you can control. Okay, you can't control what's around you, so you can't worry about what other guys are doing. Like obviously, like you got to try to have your, you got to have your communication with your players and all that kind of stuff too. But at the end of the day, that's all you can do is communicate with them, let them know like where you think that they should be, but just control what you can do. Yeah, that that's that's a that's great advice because a lot of people like they'll worry about like what their defenders are doing, just what they're what the other players are doing, like not worrying about their game and controlling what they can control. So that's that's a good tip, and just like you you have to just worry about yourself because not everyone's gonna gonna be for you and for on on your side makes make all make the smart play all the time so it's definitely you just got to do what you can do to stop the puck yeah the only thing that's going to make things happen for yourself is the things that 
you do. And there, there, there's going to be hurdles that you got to jump along the way. And obviously, like, obviously, like not everybody can do everything themselves. But at the end of the day, when it comes to playing games, playing your game, you just do what you do. Yeah, exactly. So then throughout like the years after you played in the, Sar- in the Sarnia organization, you spent time with the Barry Colts and, and then you went to Oshawa. It's so, like, what was it like playing for those organizations in both Barry and Oshawa and some of your favorite moments from playing those years? Barry, I'll probably cherish the most because I was there the longest. Uh, you know, I'm still in contact with my billets that I had there. Very close to me. Um, you know, I got to play in the Canada Russia Challenge when I was there again uh, for like tryouts. Um, you know, I got to go to the OHL final that year as well. Lost to Windsor in the finals. That was actually a tough playoff for me because I ended, I ended up getting surgery in the middle of playoffs, and I came back a week and a half later after surgery. Yeah. So, like, what, what was that like? Because like it was obviously really hard. It's like what. That you have to do to like help yourself prepare to get surgery and then like oh, you're back like a week after oh put it this way i was at the rank like i was at the rank from post like before surgery up until the day and up until like the break which was the day i had surgery and then i was back at the rink the next day after surgery i was basically at the rink from 9 a.m until five o'clock in the afternoon doing wow. workouts uh, rehab and everything just to get myself prepped. And then the first two games of the finals, um, my goalie partner wasn't looking so hot. So my coach said, can you play? And I just didn't even hesitate. I said, yes. And uh, my trainer and I just did everything we needed to do to prep my knee. But even so you can, there was times where you could see like I was battling through it like my knee was swelling up like five times the size of what it was. It was knee surgery that I had, but you know, it was the finals and it was do or die. So I just battled through it. I just did what I needed to do for the team. Yeah. that That's crazy that you went through that and just like, but you'll do whatever you can, especially in a do or die situation, like to play, like if you, if your team needs you, like you're going to be there and you're going to battle it out no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's crazy, too, because the injury happened originally when I was 15, and then the injury just got as worse as it could be four years later when I was 19. Wow. that That's and, uh, unheard of. I was, And the crazy thing, too, is I was just scraping the crease before the second period of game two of the playoffs against Brampton, and uh, my knee just locked on me completely. I couldn't strain on my leg completely. And I played on it like that the rest of the game, too. Wow, that that's how did you manage that? Yeah, honestly, it felt better when I was going down. So I basically just anytime I was down on the ice, I just stayed down as often as I could, rather than being in my stance. And I just basically played on my knees majority of the time. Wow, I could not imagine doing that. That must have been really tough. And but you you battled through it. But yeah. You got through it, so that's all, that's all that matters. Too. Yeah, for real. And one. <laughs> that, that makes it even better. Yeah. Yeah, so then after your stint in the, your career in the OHL, you went on to, to play college hockey where you played for Gadia University in the CIS. So, like, what was the process like to find a school that best fit 
you and gave you an opportunity to play college hockey? Uh, well, they, they recruited me. Um, at first, I thought I was going to go to St. Mary's University, and I wish I did instead at this point. But not bashing like the school or my teammates over there. But uh, the hockey situation itself would have been better for me if I had gone to St. Mary's. But, um, you know, recruiters do what they got to do to get players to where they got to go at times, some, sometimes, unfortunately. But uh, at the end of the day, though, I left after only two years because, like, I'm, I came to realize, like, uh, for me, hockey and school don't go together. And for me personally, me and school don't go, don't go together. <laughs> I'm just one of those guys that's not meant to go to school. It's not school is not for me. I know a lot of people tell their kids, you got to go to school so you can do this. And it's not true. You don't need to go to school to become successful and get a good paying job when you're older. So that, yeah. that's, that's, that's the reason I left because basically school wasn't for me and my hockey situation there was just terrible. So I just decided to leave and I was fortunate to get a pro tryout that year. Yeah, for sure. School school is really not for everyone, so it just depends on the person. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, it's like, did you have any expectations going into your first year of college hockey, or were you just like, you're just gonna go with the flow of everything and see what happens? I did definitely go with the flow, but I was under the impression that as long as I had a good preseason, that I was gonna be the number the number one guy, and I outplayed my goalie partner the entire preseason. You know, there's uh one road trip when we were in the States playing uh, NCAA schools where we both got lit up. But other than those two games, if you look at the other games, I dominated my games compared to him. And then I ended up becoming the backup that year. Yeah. So like how hard was that to become the backup and like, what did you do to like help yourself get trust and like help yourself, help yourself become the starter and be the guy in the, in your second year going into it? Well, I got lucky, to be honest, I got lucky the second year to play uh, because the first game of the year, same goalie partner, coach went with him again. Um, and I, my second year, I went in knowing, like, okay, I'm the backup again. There's no chance that he's going to play me over him. And then the first game, he got pulled. And on the last goal that he let my goalie partner let in, he ended up getting hurt on the play. So coach had no choice but to go with me, and I ended up getting, going on a roll. So basically had no choice but to keep me in as long as I was playing well. But, you know, I was getting head games played with me the entire year, and then I finally broke come playoff time. Yeah, so you – yeah. I ended up becoming back up in the playoffs. Yeah, so you play, <laughs> you played in 22 games at, during the regular season. So, like, what was it like getting that experience that you needed to – and that you needed to play college hockey and just get yourself a, a role to maybe get a pro trial in the year following? Uh, you know, it was definitely good. Like it definitely gave me a confidence boost. Cause like even the guys on my team, like my teammates there were all like, they knew I was playing well and everything. And my goalie partner was supportive. Like we, even when he was playing over me, I was supportive of him. I'm never going to tear down one of my teammates like that, you know? And, um, you know, again, that playing experience was definitely good for me. Made me feel good about myself. Definitely. And I knew that I could, I knew that I could play. I've proved it time in and time out, right? And then, uh, you know, I uh, just trying to get that pro tryout, though. It was tough because a lot of coaches that I was reaching out to before 
Brampton finally gave me a chance with just say, oh, you only, you only played CIS, so I don't know if we can take you. And I'm just like, I'm just saying to myself, all these other teams take CIS guys all the time. What are you talking about? Like just co- sometimes coaches just make excuses and try to not bring you in or just so they don't want, they don't want to like beat around. They're just beating around the bush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, it's, it's really weird how that works out, but you did get a prop. Uh, tryout opportunities like what was that like and just being able to finally finally go to a tryout and see what you can do uh, it was it was awesome like uh, it was close to home it was the Brampton Beast it was their first year and um, you know I'd been to uh, I, I'd been to NHL camps before I went to St. Louis twice so I kind of had an idea of what it was going to be like, especially because Brampton that year was affiliated with Tampa Bay. And um, and there were some similarities, but it's different because it's the Central League compared to the NHL. You're not going to have the same funding and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And stuff. But in terms of like compete-wise and all, yeah, it was definitely the same. And, um, you know, I didn't make the team, but then I got um, recommended to go to the SPHL. And I reached out. And the coach told me like use them to use them as a reference to get me a spot. And I emailed every team and luckily Pensacola's coach who's still there now or Rod Aldoff uh, called me right away and said, yeah, we want you. Can you get here tomorrow? And I begged my parents to buy me a plane ticket and I was on a plane the next day to Florida. (laughs) That's unreal how that works out and how you're able to go from like the, the coaches like not Lebani and then getting a, getting a trial in Pensacola and see that that's just unreal. Yeah. It, and we won a championship that year too in Florida. So that was pretty cool too. Even, even better. And it was a little bit of an up and down, um, not battle, but just up and down season for me with uh, playing, getting injured and then uh, ended up becoming a backup at the end of the day. But you know what? I still had, it was probably the, at that time was the most fun of fun year of hockey I'd ever had. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to when you went for the NHL camp, the St. Louis Blues camp. Like, what was that experience like? And especially since you're being with an NHL team and just having like that experience and learning a lot from that that time that you had there. That was uh, it was a surreal moment. You know, I never made it to the main camp with them. I just went ended up at their uh, rookie development uh, like pre camp and. Uh, Played in the uh, Travis City, um, Michigan tournament. That was cool. Like, um, so my goalie partner was Jake Allen, and um, I met Ben Bishop the second year that I was there. And uh, as a Montreal fan, the second year I was there was when Halak first got traded there from Montreal when he had that yeah. sick run with him. And I met him, and that's like when I got real starstruck. But there was a couple of other guys there that I already knew, like Petrangelo was there with me, and I've known him since we were 10. And we played together in Barry as well. Um, Cole Yakubo was there, the player, and I knew him because his brother was a goalie, and we went to the same, we worked with the same goalie coach. So, like, the one day, like, I was at, like, the practice rink before heading to Traverse City, all the, like, the main roster were there as well. So, like, I got to meet them that year. But, like, um, just being treated like a pro and just seeing like the access to what they have and everything, it just makes you want to be there that much more. Like, especially 
being at the practice rink too. Like their practice rink's pretty insane. And it's connected to the main mall in St. Louis. So that was pretty cool too. That's not, but not a bad place to practice. That's for sure. Oh, not at all. And uh, I forget if it was my first year or my second year there. I think it was my first, it may have been both, but uh, the one, one of the coaches that was there that was with uh, the Peoria Rivermen who were in the AHL at the time, I uh, was my old assistant coach from when I was in Barrie too, that from my first year in Barrie, uh, Drake Barhowski. So it was nice having him there too. And uh, like I knew I had a coach that I can actually a little more comfortable to talk to while I was there and all, but uh, you know, it's a cool experience. You get to play against all these other guys like Dustin Tokarski was there one year with Tampa Bay. Um, I can't remember who some of the other goalies that were there. Um, can't remember who they were, but like we played against Dallas, we played against Columbus. I can only imagine how many other guys that were there like, that are in the NHL right now. Yeah, that that must must have been like a crazy experience. And like, what was it? What was it like being like starstruck? Like when you met Halak and you you're playing with Halak. So like, what was that like? And just how, how did you get over it? Like eventually, like how how was that? Oh, well, I was on the trainer's bed getting my physical done. And he, he it was his first day there. He had just gone to St. Louis like the night before. So he was like introducing himself to everybody. That's that's like the main reason why I met him. And uh, and he said, hey, like, good luck this weekend, blah, blah. And I was just like, Halak just told me good luck this weekend at the tournament, blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and just thinking about it now makes me starstruck. So, yeah, that that's crazy easily. He's a, he seems like the new guy coming in. He thinks you're a, you're a regular around there. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe he knew I was a rookie getting a physical done. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe you'll, you'll never know. But, like, that whole, like, thing, like, must have been so much fun just being in St. Louis and participating in their rookie camp. Like, that must have been unreal. Yeah. No, definitely – Definitely something I'll remember forever. And, you know, just a lot of these experiences are just they're, uh, they're life lessons, I guess you can say, especially when it comes to like sports and all that kind of stuff. Like my wife and I hope to have a family someday. And if my kid decides to play hockey, I can guide him in the, in a way that my parents couldn't have, because I know like where the mistake, I, I know where like some of like the uh, behind the scenes mistakes can be made so I can help my kids later down the road, like not make those same mistakes that I did. Yeah, absolutely. So then going into Pensacola a little bit here, you guys won the championship that year. Like you said, like what was that whole ex- experience like in Pensacola and like everything you learned from your first year pro and going in the playoffs and learning from, from, in, from the guys in the playoffs because playoff hockey is a whole different breed. Uh, well, like, um, I didn't play the playoffs. I was the backup goalie for that. Um, but, like, like we were legit an uh, ECHL team, the skill-wise, that, the skill that we had on the team. You know, but the thing you got to remember about – I tell this to everybody. The thing you got to remember about the SPHL eight years ago compared to now, it's, it's not the same league that it was. Like, when I – my first year in the league – each guy on the team had like one or two designated guys that were just fighters. Like they literally just, they were just there to fight and line brawls would happen in like every game just about. 
and not just one or two guys. I mean, it fall on five, five guys fighting at a time and at least Dang. one or two goalie fights a year. I think my first year there was four or five goalie fights that year. And I was one of them. Uh, like so. what? Uh, let's go into that. Like what, what happened during that fight and just like what started and like leaving everything that led up to it. Uh, three weeks prior, we were playing the goal, the team the goal, the team's goal that I fought. We were playing them for three weeks prior. We were beating them like six, one, five, one or six, one, something like that. And, um, he wanted to come down. There was a lot of line bro broke out and he wanted to fight me, but I said no, because we had an emergency backup. I know there's all, I know we're up by four or five goals, but you never know with an e-bug, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, we didn't have Dave Ayers to have our backs that day, that day. So, <laughs> but, um, so three weeks later, we're in their rink beating them around the same score. And I asked my goalie partner in between the second and third, Hey, like if he wants to fight, should I? And he goes, I'll ask him if he wants to, but I can't make it. I'm like, whatever. And then with like seven minutes left in the game, there, uh, one of my forwards comes down to me and says, Hey, he'll fight you if the time is right. Three minutes later in the game, everybody's off to the side. He looks at me and I said, okay, let's go. We, and then we just squared off a center ice and danced. <laughs> uh, that, that's awesome. Just like, did, did you end up, did you end up winning that fight? No, no, no. I ended up with seven stitches on the inside of my lip. <laughs> that is, that is not fun, but I could only imagine yeah, but, the, getting the goalie fight in was, was fun. Well, I, I made his lips swell up and I gave him a bruise on his forehead, but I'm the one with the bloody lip. So I'm going to give myself a loss on that one. He threw way more punches than me too, but I give the guy a lot of respect too, especially he actually messaged me the next day through social media and said, Hey, like, I don't want any bad blood between us. Like no beef. I just wanted to say thanks for like giving me that. I actually just quit the team today to take a full-time job. So that was my last game. So thanks for helping me go out with a bag. <laughs> oh, wow. You, you never would have expected that. And just, no, he caught me off guard. And, uh, he even said to me, he's like, he said, Hey, thanks for making my bottom lip swell up. And I said, Well, thanks for cutting my top lip open. And we swapped pictures that <laughs> side by side going around from team to team. Yeah, that's dang, that's that's a bond bonding moment right there. Yeah. And throughout like your career, you also got into another fight with uh Storm Fanoff, right? Yeah, that was uh not last year, the year before. Yeah, so like what went down for that fight? Because that, that I, I saw highlights of that game. That that so, was a wild one. So Storm, Storm and I were like we're not like close buddies, but we're we're good hockey buddies, you know. Yeah. And um, we had talked before, and he's 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 one day he's, we're on the bench talking. We're both backing up because, man, I gotta get in a goalie fight. Like, yeah, he's like I came close last year, but how? jump the bench and stop me from doing the blah, 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 and just going, well, if ever I said to him, I look at him, if it ever comes time and it has to happen, I won't back down from you. He goes, really? I'm just like, no, like, I know you're not going to kill me or anything like that. Like, I know that if I asked you to stop, he was like, yeah, 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 but like, I respect that. Thank you. And then like a week later, a week or two later, I think it was, um, one of my players uh, ran him and he started to skate out. 
And he told me like he wanted to fight my player first, but two guys on his team already had him. So he just skated down at me because he was ticked off about the whole thing. So then we just dropped, I dropped my gloves. And he said to me before we, we grabbed on, he goes, sorry, Pete, I'm just, I have to, I'm pissed. And I'm like, I know you could say, you might see me in the video say, I know, I know. And then we just grabbed on and, you know, he shook me at first, got me down to one knee from shaking me. And I got up and we both threw, two or three punches each, but I was so tired at that point because I'd faced 40-something shots. We only had 14 guys on the bench to start the game, including me. Wow. We were playing short that game, and then uh, as soon as I told him I was done, he let, he let go right away, and he said, hey, he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Like, he's making sure I was fine. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm just too tired. I can't. <laughs> so, yeah, at least, he had the, at least he had the respect and respect yeah. what what when you wanted to stop and not keep hammering away yeah i've only seen one goalie in this league not have respect for the guys that he fights because all the guy wanted to do was fight i think he's got like seven sp fights under his belt as a goalie that's that's a bit crazy yeah you yeah. never you never experienced seven goalie fights in your career but that that dude that dude obviously has that's, yeah, he is always looking for him. He had one fight where him and the other goalie took their jerseys off and then took their arms out of their one sleeve of the chest protector to to make the fight easier for each other. Oh, <laughs> wow. That you you, you never, hear, that never hear that. You can find that on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to look that up after after this interview. So like throughout like your pro career, like you you face ups and downs throughout your career, especially like during your first year. So like, what are some of the biggest things that you had to learn and overcome during those downsides? So my first year, I got uh, I sprained my ankle pretty pretty early on, and I was on a run. Like I was playing the majority of the games. Um, Rod, our coach, said to me, "Hey, like you're our guy right now. I'm going to keep running with you." And then first game after he said that is when I sprained my ankle. And the worst thing I did that year with that was I didn't keep in shape. I, uh, I got very out of shape from that. And I, I regret it because it made my off season even harder. But like when I came back and I played, like I did well, like I was, I got back like in the ice shape, but I wasn't in the same shape that I was when I first came in. And uh, that was the one thing that I really regret doing. Like I took, I just took it for granted, but you know, what? Uh, at the same time, like I was, I was 22 living on the beach in Pensacola, Florida, playing hockey. Not, not so a bad place. It was for me, it was just have fun and play hockey. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't care about going to the gym or anything like that. That was one thing. That's one thing I regret doing was just uh, not taking my recovery seriously enough. Like I was doing my prehab for my ankle because I kn knew that like, I can't just do nothing. But I learned from that because a couple of years later in Mississippi, I sprained my other ankle, but there I was, I was in the gym every single day doing extra exercises, doing everything I could to come back. And I ended up coming back in three weeks compared to seven weeks. Improvement right there. Yeah, exactly. So at least I learned from it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you do stuff and you learn from it. So those, those experiences come into handy for sure. When, when they do go the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, so then you go on to play in Mississippi for the River Kings. So, like, what was playing hockey in Mississippi like in the atmosphere there, especially since there is, you don't see a pro team in Mississippi? It was 
different for sure. But it was in terms of like uh, how things were for us. The only thing I sucked about it was we just didn't, we barely got any fans. Like I, the only time we surpassed 2000 fans, I think was, uh, which is very rare to even get close to 2000. I think the only time we surpassed it was the field trip games. We had 5,000 kids from schools coming to watch. But other than that, like we had some nice, we, they would say we had 1500, but you can count maybe 500 people in the stands. That was the only op- like real thing that sucked about it. We didn't, I don't think we, the team marketed like advertised the team very well. Right. But you know, it, it was what it was, but, you know, we were taken care of so well there that like we had a fantastic booster club and we had sponsors from there that were helping us out with household items and uh, taking us out for lunch and all that kind of stuff just to help us save a little bit of money here and there, which was amazing. And, uh, you know, my, uh, my sponsors from that booster club, I still talk to today as well. Like they're going to be a part of my life forever. I call, I would call my sponsor, my, my American mama, <laughs> And, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the awesome people down there in Mississippi, I, I, I definitely go back to visit, especially being near Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. That's, that's awesome that they're able to help you out and everything that they did. Like, but what was it like playing with, uh, 5,000 kids in the stand? Like they're probably screaming their heads off and like that. The whole game. That's all it was the whole game. You just played a screaming in the background the entire time. And can't then when they can't even hear the whistle. No, and then the the on the scoreboard they put the get loud thing and they get even louder. I didn't even think that would be possible. Yeah, that's 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 insane. You wouldn't think that it could get any louder, but there's a whole different notch that gets taken up when it gets says the get loud. Like that's crazy. The thing I sucked about the most that these were kids, so it's high pitch screams. It wasn't like uh <laughs> you're at a wwe show and you got a mixture of adults and kids it's just kids screaming <laughs> yeah all the wow that that oh must have been burst into your eardrum right there oh tell me about it but uh you know i it was what it was and uh you know at the, at the same time you know what you're playing hockey so i'm not going to complain <laughs> exactly so then you go on to play hockey overseas in the aihl for the perth thunder so so like you made a bunch of trips over there throughout your career so far. It's so like, what was that experience like and the differences you noticed from going to North America to Perth? You got another two hours. <laughs> oh yeah. we got all the time. Oh man. Well, I'm just going to tell you about hockey in Australia in general. I won't just talk about Perth, but look, first off, let me say this. Any guy that gets the chance to go play in the Australian league or even the New Zealand league, go do it. You'll have the time of your life, that's for sure. Now, the, the things that threw me off, I, I might not even tell you this stuff in order, but I'll tell you about, like, my first time there. Go for so, it. Let's go. So, first day there, I'm in, I flew into Sydney because uh, we were playing two games there first. So, we get to the rink, and I see the rink. I'm just like, is there another – uh, pad here and they're ice surface. They're like, no, why? It's like, how come there's no glass? Oh my God, oh, this thing doesn't have glass. It's just boards and mesh. And I'm just like, okay. So I'm playing in a rink where there's no glass, just boards and mesh. And then I see the, the, the nets, the pegs. Well, 
were non-existent. The posts were like this big around. Wow. They looked like road hockey nets. And there was no pegs. <laughs> that was just this ring. All the other rings had normal nets. Thank goodness. At least that at least that's that's a, yeah. at least you had normal nets. Yeah. So then um after the game, I'm just like, okay, like, where do we shower? Like, oh, the showers are down there at the other end of the rink. So now I got to walk from one side of the rink all the way to the other. And uh, I look at my uh, – one of the guys, I'm like, uh, where are the towels? Like, oh, you got to bring your own. I'm just like, I didn't know that either. <laughs> so I'm carrying the guy's towels. So then I walk down to the other end of the rink, do a shower. There's one shower head in this bathroom – and we're sharing it with the other team. <laughs> sharing in bad blood there. Oh my, oh my god! But that's the thing. There's like, there's maybe two guys in the Australian league. Maybe if if not just one, that nobody likes. Maybe other than that, everybody gets along with everybody. Everybody's fans get along with everybody. There's no hatred or anything in that league. Like on the ice, yeah, you're gonna push and shove and get into it, guys. But there's like, there's just nothing but love from those people. Like the, the Australian fans and the and the players, the staff, they're all amazing. But but like yeah, some of those ranks are insane. The capital, the capital team, Canberra. Their rank is smaller than ours in Knoxville, and ours here. I don't know if you've ever seen it or been in it, but it's about uh, three quarters the the size of a normal rank. Yeah, lost. Canberra's rink is even smaller. I I didn't think they could go smaller. It's smaller, and they have no glass either. They have mesh, but in the other, in one end, there's chicken wire. Oh my! Yeah, another oh. rink. One rink in Adelaide has all three boards that go as high as glass. Glass in one certain spot, and just mesh. What the hell? And they're in Adelaide, their bench is like a dugout. Fans sit right on top of the bench. Like guys that are six foot two can't hop the bench because the window is only like this big. Wow. <laughs> that that what I I cannot imagine that. Like cool. especially like the three and like the the board, the glass, and then the mesh. Like what the hell's going on there? They're just these older rinks that just were not really built for hockey, you know? And, like, they don't – like, a couple of teams, like, they're working on getting new rinks. Like, Perth, their rink is only, like, 10 years old now, but they didn't do they didn't do it right, and the rink looks like it was built in the 80s. Wow. Like, don't – so, like, even in Sydney where that rink I told you about, they don't play there anymore. They play at a rink that's inside a mall now, which is a lot nicer – but there's no, there's no glass there either, and it, they can easily get boards, but glass just they don't have the funding to do it. And the places that actually own these rings, they don't want to put money into these places. And so some teams are working on getting like their, their own rings and having glass. Like Melbourne, where the two Melbourne teams play, they got a brand new rink that the city built, and they made sure that one ice pad was made just for hockey. So there's it's good glass and everything like that. Like it's, um, it's almost like a, like an ice sports arena type feel. 
And, uh, but it's nice. It's an 80, it's, I think it was like an $88 million rink. That's, so, that's pretty good. But it's, least... owned by, it's owned by the city, right? But yeah. And teams are look. some other teams like Canberra is looking to do it. Uh, one of the Sydney teams is looking to do it, I think, too. Might be, uh, that's what I've heard, at least. Adelaide is supposed to be getting a brand new one as well. But you know, you never know. But that's that's probably the craziest thing over there is uh, just some of the ranks that you play in. But like I said, but they're fun to play in, though. Yeah, I I, I imagine they're they're fun, super fun to play in. Like the experiences there must have been incredible. And it seems like they're improving the rinks too a little bit here and there. So that's at least good in that they're trying to like get more funding and all that, and just get get more in the, into the buildings. That's that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, but I, again, like, uh, things do got to get, the only thing that's, the only thing I would complain about over there is their refing situation. The refing situation over there sucks. They might not, they might have two good refs and that's it. Wow. That, and that I must suggest- be a shit show playing in. Oh, I've suggested this to the, to the league too. And they, I don't even think they're considering it, but I said, all you have to do is bring in import, do the same thing that teams do with import players, bring in import refs. Yeah, that will definitely prove it. Each ref should be an import, and then the linesmen can be little guys, and the import refs teach them how to do their job properly. Yeah, that that'll definitely improve their refing system for sure. Yeah, but they don't want to. The league itself would be the ones having to spend the money on these refs, and they don't want to do that. That yeah, that is true. Just. That's that that's crazy. Like that experience that you had in Aus- in Australia and just everything that went around it. So like, what was it like playing? Did did the like the puck go up to like the mesh like on on a ring around? Like what what would that feel like? Yeah, like, I would ask like the one of the first times I asked like, what do you do if the puck goes up into the mesh? Like, oh, we have to just judgment call if we think it went too high, like it would really go into mesh. So sometimes it would go all the way to the top of the mesh and they wouldn't blow it down. Wow. Like just stuff, stuff like one, one game, the neck, uh, my neck got pushed off. It was off by like two or three feet and the team puts the puck in the net. They call it a goal. What? And it was, wow. and it's not like all the plays where I slid over and they shot it at like just after the neck came off because the, you know, some places they'll, they still call it a goal because the yeah. pegs are really shitty and all that. Yeah. This, the net was off for a good 10 seconds. And ref said, I can't blow it down just because – I can't blow it down the play just because the net's off. That's what he said to me. What? But that – what the that, – that's, so, that's so weird to get my head around. Like, the net is completely off, and it's still a goal. Like, that – how does looked that work? This ref and told me, I don't know, but I actually looked at this ref, and I looked at him dead in the eyes. I said, you're an f- idiot. <laughs> and he did nothing because he was just in shock that I said that to him. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's that's crazy and just i literally cannot see that and like because like if it if that happens in a game around here like it's getting played it's getting dead all the time yeah exactly that's yeah. what i mean that's why they need to bring in import refs that are actually going to do a good job and actually know the game and actually know how to, yeah. how to call the call a good game but. exactly yeah, that's that's crazy. So then, going into uh, 
the, the following years in 2015, 16, you did a lot of traveling between the SP and the ECHL. You started out in Mississippi once again, and then you got loaned out to Colorado Fort Wayne Comets, Allen Americans and the Adirondack Thunder. It's like, what was that year like going, going for you to going between the leagues and like getting like getting loaned out to different teams at different times? Yeah, that, that year was pretty hectic travel-wise, but luckily I was flying everywhere that I went. I didn't have my car with me at the time, so Colorado flew me out. Uh, when they released me, Fort Wayne flew me there. They flew me back to Mississippi. Allen flew me to Allen from Mississippi and, and, every, and everything. So, But uh, it was awesome, though. Like I was, anytime a team called me, they, I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. Like I'm, I wanted to be in the ECHL. And, um, I, and I, like, even today, I know I can still play in the ECHL, no problem. Right. But you yeah. know what? I, I'm happy and I'm happy with being in the SP and I want to be the best goalie in the SPHL. And I've shown that time. I've shown that time after time with my play. And, um, you know, it's just, um, my time in ECHL, you know, I can't say really say anything negative about it. You know, I have my opportunities and, you know, unfortunately, I never have to stick anywhere. But at the end of the day, like I got to travel around America. <laughs> so. That is true. Just the just traveling to different places must have been unreal, right. and just like seeing new places, new faces, new teams, new new barns. Like, must have been a great experience overall, and just to just to play as well. Yeah, definitely, especially playing in a couple of different d- divisions, going after different teams' ranks and all that too, right? So. And when yeah. I was with Adirondack, I actually got to play against Brampton in Brampton. So my whole family got to see me play a pro game in the ECHL. That, that's awesome. That's, that's a memory that you'll take with you forever, for sure. Oh, that, definitely. Especially when we won the games uh, 5-2. That's, that's pretty great, too. Yeah. So, like, throughout your time, like, the SB and the ECHL, like, what is, like, what's, what's the biggest difference that you notice from the SBHL game and the ECHL game? Uh, just like with any league, it's the speed for sure. Uh, guys are tougher in the ECHL as well. And uh, in the ECHL, especially with all the teams that have uh, affiliates, that have the NHL affiliates, they all play, try to play the same style in terms of like how, whatever you want to look at, um, neutral zone plays, the offensive power play, PK, they all want their teams playing the same uh, systems. So everybody's pretty, um, pretty on the, pretty much on the same page with everything like that. And you know, in the ECHL, you got guys coming down from the AHL too that have been may have gotten a game in the NHL at some point in the season as well. You never really know. So definitely a much, uh, much harder game to play in the ECHL. But you, depending on who you are, like for someone like me who's been around it, I find that I can adjust pretty well. Especially like in the summer times when I'm training, I'm training with NHL and AHL guys throughout the summer as well. So I feel like I, I can decently keep up with them. Especially if I, if, I know practice is different than games, but in the day, like I've been doing this for so long, I feel like I can transition pretty easily. Yeah, that's always a good sign when you know that you can transition pretty easily because you. I bet in the start when you first started, like it was a bit hard to transition from the ECHL and then the SPHL and like that, that side of the game. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, 
like especially like I've been to Brampton's camp three times and I've been to Allen's uh, training camp and there's guys that have been with that camp. And I'm just like, I know that I'm better than these guys, but they're getting their, they're, they're getting a better chance than I am because they're, they're fresh and I'm an SP guy, you know? Yeah. But at the end of the day, like at times, like I'm just here to be at camp and get ready to go back to my SP team. I'm not, I'm not here to complain. I'm here to show what I can do. And then maybe something will come out of it in the future, but if not, Oh, well, I'm just going to go back to where I was and just keep doing my thing. Yeah, exactly. And you, you have a spot with your team already. So you just go back and it doesn't matter where you, where you end up. You obviously want to end up in the coast, but you have a team in the SP if, if it does happen like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then throughout, through like 2018 to 2020, you played for the Quad City Storms. Like, how special was being in Quad City like for you and just playing for the storm for so long? Uh, Quad City is awesome. It's definitely a place like that I can call home. You know, we've, um, my wife and I, we've created a lot of friendships there. We got a lot of ties there, like a lot of close relationships. And, you know, when we're there, it just feels natural to us. It's the first. It's the first city we've ever lived in together. So and you know, just things there are just so simple for us. You know, it's such a great hockey town too. They got a lot of hockey history there. So, you know, Quad City is definitely up there on my uh, on my on my top ten list. <laughs> yeah, top five. For, yeah, for sure. That that's awesome that you you feel comfortable in Quad City. So I have a few more questions for you before we get this thing over with. So like, wh- where, what has been your favorite city that you visited throughout your career so far? The best place I've ever visited to play, like the city-wise or like rink-wise? Uh, let's, let's go rink-wise. Rink-wise? Uh, in pro hockey, the best rink I've played at uh, or just my career in the OHL, I got to play at the London Knights rank and they hold 10,000 fans a night. So yeah. that's, that's probably the best rank in the OHL that I play at pro, uh, you know, Mississippi's rank was so nice. Just unfortunate. We never got like a true sold out crowd. Like, I'm sorry, kids, but I can't count those field trip games. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's awesome. But craziest place to play, like, in my craziest, it's like because of the way the rink is, is Knoxville, where I am now. And being playing for Knoxville in this rink, I wish we had a sold out crowd because playing against the team is like my second year in the league when I was in Mississippi, we played Knoxville in the finals. And a sold out barn here is insane. Like, the fans are so into it, they're right on top of you. Like, they got a great fan base here, too. Yeah, I can only imagine that and just being around the being yeah. around like that fan atmosphere, especially in Knoxville, must must be unreal. Yeah. But uh living wise, the best place I lived in is Pensacola. I lived I lived on the beach. That's not a bad spot to live. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, so my next question for you is uh I heard from one of our guests that you give the boys in Knoxville haircuts. So uh, what how how's that? 
I've been doing that since I was in Fayetteville. So when I was, when I was in Australia, um, it was like one of the first years I really started growing out of my beard. And I recently trimmed it. I was like six inches longer than this before I just trimmed it. Um, but I was getting into like the, the beard care routines and that led to seeing like how to trim it properly and other haircut videos from these beard companies. And I said to myself, man, I can do that if I go nowhere in hockey. Like it seems I can make it simple enough for myself. And I just got tools and I would practice on my roommates and some of my teammates in Australia. And, and then eventually I got like more of the proper tools when I got back home and it just took off from there. So I've just been uh, everywhere I go. I just take care of the boys. Whoever wants one can get one. That's awesome. You always, always got to take care of the boys no matter what. So that's, that's a huge thing. Exactly. Yeah. So Tyler, do you have any more questions for Pete before we get this thing done with? Yeah. Uh, when you started playing hockey growing up, was there a certain player that you idolized or looked looked up to? Patrick Waugh. Uh, 100% Patrick Waugh. My, my whole family is Montreal Canadiens fans, and my dad would always tell me to watch Waugh and that, so I wanted to be Waugh. I I've I haven't seen him in uh in games besides like as as a coach but from like just videos like he seems like an unreal guy and like I loved his feistiness too and especially when he got in those goalie fights like oh yeah those those were those were good times to to watch whenever you're bored that's for sure definitely I've seen him I've seen him play at Maple Leaf Gardens when I was a kid. I've actually seen him play in Edmonton when I went to visit family out there when I was a kid, when he was a Colorado too. And um, I was actually this close to meeting him once when my draft year to the NHL, I actually went to Montreal for the draft. I was on the list and he was sitting four rows below me. Dang. That, that would have been a nice, nice person to meet for sure. Uh, I know, but you know, I, I, he was there to see his players get drafted and see who gets drafted where. I didn't want to bug him or anything. I asked yeah. for a picture because like, I can only imagine what he gets sometimes from like paparazzi and stuff. So I just let him be. Yeah, that, that's smart. And just like probably if you would go up to him, everyone would go up to him after and it'd be a whole distraction thing from there. Oh, yeah. There was some memorabilia guys there asking him to sign stuff and uh, he signed a couple of things and all that, but uh, again, I just didn't want to add something else to him that he wasn't there for. Yeah, that's that's smart. So, uh, Peter, this has been so much fun. Thank you again for joining us. Love the nickname, the Mad Dog, and like, I appreciate you coming on. Like, I want to wish you the best of luck with your season in Knoxville this year and the rest of your career. And I'll I look forward to watching you play from now on. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, no problem.